Hi, and welcome to Math and Musings. I'm Mike O'Connell, creator of Math and Musings, and your host. Stay tuned for 15 minutes of science, politics, news, and opinion. In other words, Math and Musings. Today's date is August 27th, 2021, and we'll be entering the world of music today for our broadcast and our 15 minutes together. Specifically the world of jazz. You may know jazz is a uh, passion of mine, something I've enjoyed doing the past uh, few decades or so, including uh, our opening theme, which I'm now turning down, I know, uh, sadly. But I'm going to be talking uh, the whole episode today about the world of jazz. I had the opportunity, and I took advantage of the opportunity, to see one of the greats of all time. If you read my blog on Monday, by the way, the blog is MikeOConnellJr.com, my other outlet for creative expression, uh, you will note that I refer to the following person as the uh, the Joe DiMaggio of jazz. DiMaggio towards, uh, well, no, not even towards the end of his life, but years after he had stopped playing, was voted and considered and referred to for his last, you know, 30 years of his life or whatever as baseball's greatest living ball player. That was Joe DiMaggio. To me, Ron Carter, bass player extraordinaire. And I shouldn't even say jazz. I mean, he, he played with a tribe called Quest, too. I mean, he, he's not just jazz. Uh, he's played with everybody. That's the understatement of the century. It's like, you know, saying that water is wet. He's played with everybody. Um, he has, uh, he's 84 years old, still, still playing still at the top of his game, and uh, sort of has a, a grace and a gravitas and a universal respect similar to Joe DiMaggio. And I just love the way it rolls off the tongue, too. He's the Joe DiMaggio of jazz. And here was a guy who, you know, who, who played with Miles Davis. I guess Miles Davis, the Miles Davis organization of the 60s, was really... Ron Carter, and it's not like that was Ron Carter's first band. I mean, obviously he was good even before Miles said, hey, would you like to be my bass player? Uh, but that was like his, his true rise to stardom, I guess. And then he's been either associated with playing every with every major jazz name for the past 50 years, more than 50 years, or leading his own group. I got to see him lead his own group at the Keystone Corner Club in Baltimore, which I've spoken of before. As a matter of fact, uh, it was about a month ago, or a little more than a month ago, I saw Kenny Garrett, legendary saxophonist, Kenny Garrett, play at uh, Keystone Corner. And I talked about it the following Friday on this very podcast. And as a matter of fact, that episode was the most downloaded, the most listened to episode of Math Musings of all time. So if that's any omen, like I, I put a famous person's name in the title, that makes people listen to the show. Like there's some clickbait for you. If I put Ron Carter's name in my title, will that make people click on the show? I'll find out when I examine the metrics later and then, you know, I go to my advertisers and tell them. And <laughs> I guess I forgot to turn off my, uh, my email alerts if you heard that one. I've got uh, I've got the volume turned up so that I can speak. So I'll have to figure out a way to shut that up. 
this is not uh, doing this podcast. This is related. Doing this podcast is not my only source of income. So I don't really have to worry about my advertisers too much. My advertiser for this show is myself. If you haven't figured that out yet, uh, the person who pays the fees is me, and it's it's minimal. And I just do this in my spare time. I think the only piece of equipment I bought, I did buy an external microphone. Uh, so I'm not just talking into my phone. That was the one purchase I made. And uh, it's Buzzsprout who hosts episodes of Math Musings, and they make the contacts with Spotify, that's where I listen to the show, or wherever and whoever and whatever company uh, you're using to listen to this broadcast, Buzzsprout is the organization that sets up that arrangement. I actually know very little about it. What I do know is that I like talking for 15 minutes, and I'm more than happy to speak this person's praises and this club's praises for at least 15 minutes. It's, um, we've heard this probably before that um, live music is a culmination of things, namely that there is the, the music being performed, there are the performers, there is the audience, of course, and then there are the people who host the shows, the, the impresarios, if you will. And those elements come together beautifully at Keystone Corner. I've mentioned this before. It really is like an old-school jazz club. The place is, in its current uh, form, is only about two years old, and much of that was through the pandemic. But it's meant to be like an old-school jazz club. And the people who go there are really there to hear the music. It's, it's not just an excuse to hang out. It's not as subdued as a concert hall, but there's a little bit of that feeling. And when I saw Ron Carter this past Saturday night, he was there at several shows over the weekend playing with his quartet. And uh, Mr. Carter is able to surround himself with the greatest musicians around. Again, kind of like Joe DiMaggio, you know, he's got the, the best bats in the lineup around him, and you want to see him playing with Lou Gehrig or Phil Rizzuto or Herbie Hancock to mix a metaphor. Ordinarily, when you hear jazz performed, when a saxophone or a trumpet is blowing in your face, it's a little hard to communicate with the other people at your table. People talk during the bass solo. That is a truism of jazz performances. People talk during the bass solo. When it's quiet, people talk. Last Saturday, at Keystone Corner, nobody talked. Nobody talked during the bass solo. You wanted to listen to Ron Carter play, and it because it wasn't in your face from the moment you walked in. There were There were dynamics. It was like listening to a symphony. And there were themes that were repeated and came back. It would, they only stopped playing a couple of times. It was, you know, I wish I had a, a set list or, you know, we're, we're peeking over the saxophone player's to, to shoulder to see the, the music, or like what was written down, that songs became other songs. It was, it was a little bit like a, like a Grateful Dead performance. Like songs became other songs and there were elements of, of tunes inside of tunes 
it was uh, it was like a master class and watching watching jazz it was great to see this uh, performed and I imagine some of it is scripted and some of it is improvised and it was a beautiful thing to see and the audience was respectful the club is a is a great house and they house jazz with the respect it deserves as America's true art form and uh, and the players of course are all top-notch led by the man himself who has played with everybody that's literally like line number two from his Wikipedia article if you look up Ron Carter it's like holds Guinness Book of World Records for greatest number of recordings as jazz bassist it's it's over 2,000 he's playing on 2,000 albums uh, which which is just ridiculous I mean think think of that that's you know let's, let's say you did 50 a year like do this math do 50 a year well, you could do a hundred in two years. Okay, that's one twentieth of the number. So, like, make an album a week for every forty years. Okay, <laughs> and and it's not just you know putting your elbows on the piano and and banging away. It's that these are some of the most famous albums of all time. To get to see it live was great. As I said, Mr. Carter is eighty-four years old, so you're not sure how many more performances you're going to see. Then again, then again, every time I see Tony Bennett, I always think the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, this is this is probably the last time. I've been saying that for 20 years. Tony's still performing. At, um, he, he just had a birthday. He's 95. Tony Bennett is 95 years old. He's still performing. So maybe I get to go see Ron Carter again. Who knows? Um, he uh, was playing, as I said, at uh, Keystone Corner the other night. Now, it happened to be... The night that I saw Ron Carter happened to be my wedding anniversary as well, and I wanted to go see the show anyway, and when I saw that it was my anniversary, my first thought was like, oh dang, I, I can't go that day. Wait a minute. Then I thought, wait a minute. I can make this work. I can make this an, an anniversary present uh, for my wife, and it's something for us to do together. Now, they say opposites attract. My wife and I are more dissimilar than similar in, in terms of our taste. And that's okay. We, we generally don't like the same thing. We like each other. We like our family. We generally don't have the same interests. And that's probably most couples. Like you and your significant other don't have all the same taste. And, you know, if, if one of you likes to go bowling and one of you likes to go to the opera, there's not, you know, there's no bowling operas. It's like you kind of go back and forth picking the other person's chosen activity. You go back and forth that way. Now I'll say that um, even though I'm much more interested in, in seeing live jazz than is my wife, it worked uh, because um, evening evening on town in, in Baltimore was a cool way to spend an evening. It's, the club is... I've said this before, I don't know if it's still technically the Inner Harbor if you're like a couple blocks over, um, but close enough. It's all within walking distance, and um, yeah, it's summertime, it's still light out late at night, and it is um, a cool experience uh, regardless, and you're, um, oh, it's, I meant to say light out late at night, and it's also it's also warm, like even even in the evening, it's it's still warm. It's not too hot. 
So, as I said, I'm the only advertiser for this show. Keystone Corner is not giving me any money to, to plug their organization. They don't need it. They bring in uh, the best jazz talent around. And even though I can't transform, transform, I can't transform either. I can't transport myself back to the 1960s and see Ron Carter playing with, playing with Miles Davis or Herbie Hancock. You can still see Herbie Hancock. And I have. I saw him at Wolf Trap a couple of years ago. That's the beautiful thing about playing jazz. Um, you can do it literally your entire life, and then just you know, it's one day you just fall over on your saxophone, and that's it. That's one of the things I tell young people: if you're going to pick a hobby, pick playing jazz. It's something you can do your whole life. It's a great way to meet people, you travel a little bit, see some things, and sometimes you make some money. Don't do it for the money. Do it because you love it. Kind of like the way I do this podcast. And um, one of the benefits of living in the 21st century, you can go and um, promote your views this way. If I lived in the 20th century and I could go back, yeah, I'd probably want to listen to uh, the 1960s version of Ron Carter and see, see what he had going on then. Reasonable facsimile? Uh, I saw it the other day in Baltimore, I and mean, I appreciated the opportunity and um, look forward to heading out that way again. Speaking of doing things again, I appreciate your listening to the program today and uh, my thoughts and musings upon the, uh, the world of jazz. Ken Burns called it uh, you know, America's true art form. And I appreciate your listening. And if you want to hear a little bit more jazz, well, here's, here's, here's me playing the piano, and uh, the name of the song is Going Home. Always closes out our 15 minutes together on Math and Musings. As I remind you, Math and Musings is presented by Michael O'Connell Jr. That's me. For more information or to contact, go to michaelconnelljr.com. <laughs>